The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to a weekend editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. As uh, we will take you uh, into the NFL draft rounds four through seven a little bit later today on ESPN. Lincoln, hope you're doing all right. Good day for Nebraska yesterday when it comes to the NFL draft. Really cool for Cam Jurgens as he heads off to Philly. Really awesome for Cam Taylor Britt to get that phone call from Zach Taylor. We'll hear in a little bit. Uh, another former first rounder will be with us as part of the rewind in about 25 minutes. Our conversation with Jason Peter, big part of day by day, the upcoming Nebraska documentary. We're on the doorstep of May. That'll be out May 13th at the Rococo Theater, May 14th at the Rococo Theater. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. And find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt, or at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Mark Cranek, someday we'll get back on Twitter. Once upon a time, it was the best Twitter handle ever, at Mark Skurs. Cranack, what are you doing? How are you? Taking in the draft. You know, that's been pretty interesting. And How about Wandale? Yeah. Cam Taylor-Britt. Is he kind of Cam or no? <laughs> three second rounders. Three second rounders that were all, on, all, all part of that team. So you can't say the talent hasn't been brought in. No, you Somewhere can't. I mean, you, you look at you look at three wins last year. You look at three and five in in the COVID year, and COVID was screwy. So that is what it is. But man, you, you're right. But Cranek, I, I think what you saw with with Jurgens and with Cam Taylor Britton, it's been detailed. Jacob Padilla's done a great job with his path to the draft. We talked to Jacob yesterday. You saw a couple of guys that were were developed, really talented ball players. Where were they projected? Right. Too. They 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 saw Cam Jurgens in a role, projected him into a role. They saw Cam Taylor Britt in a role, and uh, Nebraska and both of these kids, I air quote kids, uh, with their hard work and incredible ability devoted themselves and they have a chance to do what they love continue to do what they love at a high level in the second round and 
I know the, the, the drought has been bad for Nebraska with first-round picks. Nebraska as a program overall has been very respectable with first-round picks. But the depth of, of Nebraska draftability has been good for a long time, and then it waned. And it feels like with what could be in store today, Cranach, I mean, you could have a couple more guys and, you know, a number of uh, undrafted free agents. And there's more undrafted free agents that make squads and thrive than actual draft picks. At least that's the word from our our, our dear friend Russ Landy, NFL insider, draft expert. So, hey, Nebraska could be in for a, for a banner day. Uh, on the NFL draft side of things, they could be in for a banner day on the portal side of things. Although O'Shawn Mathis and his mama, uh, and, and I like her feedback uh, just with a story that Evan Bland did uh, with the World Herald about a week and a half ago or so. Love hearing uh, from from her. She's been on Twitter is where, is where I'm going. And I don't know. <laughs> Are you reading in? Is he staying at TCU? Is he going to Texas? Is Nebraska? Nebraska's positioned themselves well to have a guy, Landon Lincoln, that will be hearing his name a year from now this time. So it could, it's been a good weekend. It could be a great weekend. Then, you, yeah, you got Austin and JoJo a little bit later today, potentially. Um, Toure. Like mentioned. Yeah. Yep. Toure's got a good shot. I, you know, and I don't. Who knows about Mathis? But you better get some D linemen. Now, this was I. I wasn't here last weekend, so I can't remember exactly when the Casey Rogers news broke. Uh, I think it was Thursday or Friday. It's a blur, yeah. but yeah, the Casey Rogers. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. So defensive line in particular, that bears watching right now, doesn't it? Um, I mean, it was already. It was already going to be sort of a thin position that you're concerned about depth wise. And now it's like, I, it's, I'd say it's red alert. What if something happens to Ty Robinson? Put it that way. You bite your tongue. <laughs> it's just like, what, what happened? Then what do you do? Do you go old, like tech mobile, like punt block every, what, what do you do? You, you're asking me if Nebraska shifts back to the 52 front. I, I, I think you could against Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. <laughs> I, you know what? You, you put Ty in bubble wrap. Now, in Ty's defense, he had 4 billion reps this year, this spring. So, yeah. And you've got, listen, I like the young talent they have. I don't mind it either. I think it's, I mean, I think they're Big Ten bodies, man. I think they nailed their body types. It's just, you can't microwave line of scrimmage. No, no, you cannot. I mean, you're getting to the point where you might even consider moving a couple offensive linemen or one. Mm -hmm. Right? Right? Like, or am I I over being over dramatic there? I I just, I I just don't know. (laughs) You can't speed up experience. You can you can get guys boatloads of reps, and I think they did this spring behind closed doors. But you don't know if if Buckley or Tariq Black or Weaver. I mean, you feel like okay, Nash Nash got a little bit of the fire right against Wisconsin. Colt Feast is, yeah, is yeah, Feast is a guy that that has been on the radar and he's been here so. 
but you don't have a season under their belt. You don't even have, you know, the the second line rotation type. Because Nebraska for years had always, you know, by the third or fourth series, here comes a couple of different guys that would go in to get some meaningful play playing time, right? Well, you haven't had that because you've been down or in a dogfight. <laughs> so you're going with your best and most experienced. You know, I love that Nebraska got a receiver named Coldest. Mm-hmm. I like that you got Trey Palmer in the house. I feel like the skill positions are getting better. The running back position looks good. Um, I feel like you have a capable offensive line, uh, decent depth at tight end. You, you got a lot of pieces, but that one spot is just like, Eesh. oh, no. Is it all for nothing? Are we talking about all these things for nothing? Because every Big Ten team is just going to be like, let's just run it down their throat and break their will. I well, hope not. Well, I as a... Uh... As a dude, you're you, you, when faced with that challenge, you need to respond, right? Because <laughs> that's the worst way to go down in football. Is but what some, is it? What, is when what, someone what lines up the, and smashes you for four quarters. But what is it with the exodus? Like, what, what, what's happening in particular around that spot? Because it's not just... Casey Rogers. I, well, I I think, well, you had guys because you had DeAndre Thomas and we spoke with D-Boogie this week, Damian Daniels. I He's just got think, an outside shot today. Yeah, I just think guys really like Coach T. And I'm not saying they don't like Dawson. I just think they really liked Coach T. Yeah, that's probably it. It's probably it. It's uh, But it bears watching, for mm-hmm. sure. Um and it's a, it's a bit of a concern, but we're not going to focus on the negative, right? That's not what we do. How, how about how about Cincinnati becoming like Nebraska you know, North? Yeah. Or East. Here, know, here, is, the map. here is the phone call from Zach Taylor to Cam Taylor. Brett Cam in his living room with all of his family and uh, from one Husker to another. Hello. Cam, Coach Taylor at the Bengals. Hey, how you doing, Coach? You ready to come to Cincinnati? Man, let's make it happen. All right, man. We're going to submit your name right now. Yes, sir. All right. We're excited about you. Can't wait to get you back over here, okay? Just about two man, weeks we saw you. We're fired up. Yes, sir. Let's get to work, man. All right, man. See you soon. Yes, sir. Pretty awesome scene where Cam's ta- uh, family goes goes nuts. The athletic Cranac and Elijah had Cam pegged to Cincinnati <laughs> in the second round. We've been talking to Searles leading up to the draft, and he's ca- he totally called his shot. He's like, dude, Philadelphia is going to get Cam Jurgens <laughs> behind Kelsey. Uh, so that that's that's really awesome. Uh, you know, back to O'Shawn Mathis for a second. <sighs> What do you think? I mean, you you look at O'Shawn's mom posting Mike Dawson's resume and then uh, Bo Davis's draft picks at Alabama and Texas. And who? Um, <laughs> not much of a comparison. I, I, I have pumped up the numbers of Dawson's 2019 New York Giants 
with their their sack total, 36, as he was the outside linebackers coach. That was 22nd in the NFL. I will say the 22nd in the NFL is a far cry from where they were in 2018. Uh, Just saying that. But Nebraska's pitch, Cranach today to Oshan, uh, absolutely is about Oshan's ability to play against the best in the Big Ten, week in, week out, versus the Big 12. Uh, Help this program get over the the finish line, be that dude off the edge, and have a chance uh, via NIL to take care of your family short-term, produce, and then take care of your family long-term with a nice contract. But do it week in, week out with – incredible opportunities against some of the best on the offensive line you will see week in, week out in the Big Ten. That, I mean, it's not the SEC. Oshan's not looking for an SEC school that put 34 guys into the draft the first three rounds. The Big Ten was second with 21, and he had all sorts, not just Ohio State-wide receivers, but you had all sorts of uh, edge guys, and uh, offensive linemen go from the Big Ten. Big Ten week in, week out is is a nice uh, uh, runway for you uh, if you want to go play pro football. Did we lose him? Have him back no. now. Okay. I'm here, yeah. I, I, you look at the uh, comparison that his mom posted, and it's a spreadsheet. And it's from 2006 to 2021. What is Mike Dawson's resume in terms of draft picks or in terms of what he did in the NFL? Uh, and essentially, he's had two defensive linemen drafted. Two. And that was in 2020, in the sixth round and the seventh round. Both Davis and twins. Then, yeah. And then you compare it to Bo Davis. <laughs> now, granted, he was at Alabama a long time. He was at Washington. Uh, he's got a lot of first and second rounders. <laughs> a ton. Like a ton. Yeah. It's not even close. Not really a fair fight. And I'll, no. say, I'll say this. Uh, you, you do have a, a, a stint where Dawson couldn't go get any NFL guys because he was in the NFL. Yeah, completely. So if they're basing it just off that, who knows? But here's the situation. You look at conference-wise, who's putting people into the league, and where's the Big 12 at right now? What are they, like, I think seven picks so far through three rounds? Yeah. Compared to 21 for the Big 10? It wasn't good. Yeah. Compared 21 for the Big 10. I think SEC's like at 30 or 34 or something like that. So, I mean, the, the NFL is looking at SEC and Big 10 football first, and then all the rest. And there's a pretty good distance between those top two conferences and, and the others. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Big 12 only had like seven. A, the the um, AAC got like 10. <laughs> right? More more than the Big 12. I, well, mean, come I on. mean, five of those are from Cincinnati, though. So, Sure. Well, right. And five are, from ge- five, right? like five, cut- five are from Georgia, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Georgia well, had but- like as many first round picks as the Big 10, just about craziness. The, the talent, though, is consolidated into the top two conferences, which earn the most money. Uh, look, either way, the, the kid will have a good shot, right? Um, 
you know, if he wants to stay close to home, you understand it. But, you know, he's not the only defensive lineman that Nebraska's in on. There's also a kid from Texas Tech. Um, Devin more Drew. More of an inside player. Devin Drew. And, and next month, Nebraska will also have Lamar Goods from Florida visiting. Here's No, here's another thing. So you saw that, that Damian Jackson and uh, Chris, why do I forget his last Chris name? Chris Walker. Lincoln East, I shouldn't forget it. Thank Walker. you, Chris Walker. Mm-hmm. They both decide to enter the transfer transfer portal also. And like on the field, that's not a gigantic loss, right? Because, you know, Walker's barely played Damian Jackson, 11 career tackles, I believe it is. Um, so it's not like you're, you're losing a ton of production. But, but from a leadership standpoint, there's no question who was running the weight room, right? It was Jackson and Walker. Mm-hmm. Those guys are monsters you know say what you want about whatever they did on the field or not but monsters that set a tone and you you can go on and on about Damian Jackson's you know history and his leadership skills his unique experience being a former Navy SEAL Um, but that also bears watching too like it's a legitimate sea change happening in Nebraska right now and it's all happening quickly and the season's coming on you quickly I mean dude it's May Basically, like you're playing in three and a half months, <laughs> you know, and and you're not, you know, you're, you you got some issues at defensive line right now and you just lost your your kind of offseason weight room guys. You lost those leaders. Doesn't mean you can't fill it, but it's a change for sure. And who's going to pick up that slack? You know, I, couple that with people like Cam Taylor Britt. He definitely set a tone in terms of work and approach. Jojo Doman did the same thing. Austin Allen was a big-time leader. Like, you, you're, you didn't just lose talent. You, you lost a ton of, like, just leadership, like glue guys that kind of kept stuff together. And you just you, you wonder where that's all going to come from and how that's all going to settle. I think you have people like Garrett Nelson that you can count on mm-hmm. to fill that void. Um, on the de- defensive side of the ball, Casey Thompson is – walked in and and is seemingly doing all the right things too. Heck, Samore Toure was another guy that, you know, set a really good tone and practiced hard all the time and all that, even though he was, he was a newer transfer, but it's a total sea change at Nebraska. Just it's a, from a leadership standpoint, from a trenches standpoint, uh, skill positions, quarterback. It's a, it's a brand new, almost mercenary unit. Uh, that it's just going to be really interesting to see how it comes together. Well, I, I'll tell you, my first reaction whenever I saw the news about Damian Jackson and Chris Walker was, I, I wonder if this is some post-spring meeting where the coaches are saying, we could use some scholarships for the transfer portal. We're not going to force you out, but th- those are two guys that have both been with the program for five years each now. So you, you look at that, and it, it, that was just my first reaction. With, with those guys who haven't transferred yet, I mean, it doesn't seem like – you would think if they were transferring for playing time, they would have transferred by now already. And I look at that and I go, I wonder if this is the coaching staff sitting down with these guys post-spring and saying, you know what? Thanks for everything. Th- we, thanks need, for everything. we need your spot. Yeah, exactly. That, that was my first reaction. Well, and, and I mean, Damian, and if you're Damian Jackson, and this isn't like a shot. This is He's pushing 30 because of COVID. I mean, he's had a lot of years at Nebraska. And yeah, you just... You saw him on the field, I think, against Wisconsin. But you've seen him as, as a guy that's 
been a character guy within the program behind the scenes. And, and you, to your point, Mark, that's never easy to lose. Now, you, if, if you're making uh, an overture to, to win from Alabama, defensive tackle, if you're looking at uh, Oshan, if you're looking at Drew, if you're looking at Goods, I mean, that is that is upgrading your defensive line and also allowing time for some of your younger guys to groom uh, and, and, and have a rotation. But you, you go from lottery, lot, from the lottery to, to, the, to poverty when it comes to depth and rotation. Think about what you had last year on the lines. To be frank, if, if you could have had Damian back one more year to keep grooming Nash, right, next to Robinson along with Rodgers, you'd, you'd be in a much, much better spot. The other side of this is it may be the offense's turn, Cranach, to start scoring about 35 points a game and get some ball control and hold on to the football in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they put up a few points here and there, but for the most part, I mean, you've seen the defense under Chenander continue to progress. Are they 95 good? Are they 99 good? No, but man, they've they've held their own and they've kept Nebraska despite 3 and 9 could have been a whole hell of a lot worse and I just said that out loud without the defense. <laughs> I know. It could have been worse than 3 and 9 and it could have been worse worse than losing by a score per game. Every yeah, game. Yeah, it's Yeah, it you just hope something some something resembling chalk will come back, right? It's just, you know, last year made no sense. Past few years haven't made a ton of sense. You're seeing the draft success that Nebraska players or former Nebraska players are having right now. Mm-hmm. Like, things should be better. <laughs> and the exodus at the defensive line is not helping <laughs> with that, mm-hmm. you know? So, interesting times. Interesting times. Yep. Real quick, uh, before we get to time out, and, and we'll hear from Jason Peter. Jason will share some of the defensive line thoughts as well with us. JoJo. Where does JoJo land? Does he land in Buffalo? Where Where are you at? Are you looking at JoJo and going, okay, the guy's going to be 25 with two ACLs. As much of a playmaker as he is, we're scared off because of age and injury. Or do you just flip on the Ohio State game? Do you flip on the Minnesota game? Do you flip on the – I mean, he had great games against Ohio State. Do you flip on the Michigan game? I mean, JoJo was awesome. He was as fun of a defensive player to watch at Nebraska. Uh, I don't want to say since Mike Brown, but just as far as playmaking goes, right? Yeah. I mean, he, he just – he made it happen, and he was really good. And to see him from 2019 to now is is awesome. And you hope that he can land sooner rather than later. I have no doubt if he stays healthy, he'll he'll play in the league for a while. But man, he he was so much fun to to watch and to, to see thrive. Especially the, yeah. that final game, the way he went out against Ohio State with one club, right? <laughs> so can he find a spot? Does he drift? Does Austin Allen go uh, later to mid to late rounds? You had a bit of a tight end run in the draft here. 
in that third round. I think three of them went. Uh, the McBride kid out of Colorado State was actually at Nebraska's Friday Night Lights camp, I think, in 2017. Uh, so can Austin go and then Daniels and Toure, and you also have Deontay Williams. I love Deontay Williams' attitude, love his ability, and I think he's got enough, uh, again, if he stays healthy, I think he could find his way onto a practice squad and be around. I mean, Nebraska, from a from a – Okay, undrafted free agent standpoint. I mean, DiCaprio Boodle was active roster last year for the Chiefs, undrafted free agent. And then Lamar Jackson the year before him. And you have Farniak and and Hymas that also have gone. So it's not uh, Alabama numbers. It's not Georgia numbers. But Nebraska's kind of climbing that ladder back. We were talking, and this has been an ongoing theme this week, Cranach. What's what's the number for you? Should it be about four to five guys every year for Nebraska with the occasional first rounder? Is that kind of your draft standard? Yeah, I think that's where you start competing. Yeah, if you if you have five guys every year and you have, you know, those uh, at least a fringe first rounder, that's yeah, I think that's a, a I think that's a really fair expectation. Um and, you know, in, in the years that they've had that, they've generally been a pretty damn competitive team. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's also where, where you're doing it at, too. Like, you know, you look at, at corners and, and folks in the secondary, like, I think it wasn't Taylor Britt the first corner drafted since, like, Baptiste. Like, so, and that was, what, 2014? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Or something like that. I mean, it went, it went, yeah. it, went, it went Prince, and then it went Baptiste. Second so round, had a, second round of the Saints. Dude, so you've rolled out nine different Husker teams and haven't had a single corner drafted. Eek. You've had guys. Well, good luck with that. You've had guys in the league, but you haven't had. I mean, think think of the run, right? Think of think of. <laughs> Tyrone Williams, Michael Booker, uh, Fabian Washington, Ralph Brown, uh, <laughs> Mentor, uh, Mike Brown, right? I mean, the, the team. Gross. That, yeah, Dewan Gross, uh, uh, Dejon Gomes, one of my favorites. Eric Prince. Haig. Eric, yeah, Prince, Eric Haig. I mean. Damian Williams, Larry Asante. Yeah, Asante. Yeah, you've had. You've, you used to have. I mean. You used to have quite a few DBs, but the drought has been pretty significant. That's been an eye-opener, too, just looking at this year's draft and, you know, historically how Nebraska has drafted at this position or that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, <laughs> I mean, Nate Gary was like the lone pick in what, 2017, mm-hmm. something like that, or 2016 as a DB. It's just like you got to be putting DBs in the league. That's usually a sign of overall athleticism on your team. Uh, you got to be putting offensive linemen into the league, and Nebraska actually has been doing that. Yeah, not necessarily drafted. Uh, you know, Cam Taylor, or Cam Jurgens, I believe, is the highest draft pick since what Spencer Long. Spencer I mean, was third. He's the highest oh, draft pick altogether since 2011, since Prince Mukamara, which is a, I believe, a shocking stat. Mm. The fact that he's ahead of guys like Amir Abdullah, Randy Gregory, and in draft position is Levante is kind of varies by year. You know, with with talent in the draft, but. I think it's completely shocking that Cam was the highest pick since 2011. That just seems, I don't know, I I can't believe there hasn't been a guy higher than 51. Says a lot. I mean, it's translatable. 
Mm-hmm. Mark Radak and Chris Schmidt, along with Elijah Herbal. It's the weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Plenty more to get to as uh, we'll get some thoughts from Brandon Vogel next hour on O'Shawn Mathis. Get his take on the Huskers in the draft. Yet to hear their name and those that did hear their name. And the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, will be back by. Get his take oh. on some of the, 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 the teams that, that did well, how the Big Ten projects, and also a recap. So, and Chris, we haven't even talked about Keanu Akana transferring. What is Cook? What is John Cook doing? John Cook is so loaded with talent, you got to wait. All right. No, Keelan, okay. you know, is incredible, but it's it's kind of like the old, okay, well, we've got this quarterback here that's going to play for two years. You can hang out or go somewhere else. <laughs> All falling apart. That's what it is. I know you were frustrated with that. The Keelana call is, is good. We talked a little bit Thursday with Vogues about it, but you can get a little bit further uh, in depth with that. We're, Rewind is next. Our sit down with Jason Peter, day by day, and the Husker defensive line uh, weekend edition of Hale Varsity continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show. Podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We welcome in uh, Husker legend Jason Peter with us to talk day by day the upcoming Nebraska documentary. Jason, thanks for a few minutes. How you doing? I'm good. How are you, Chris? Good, 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 good. And I know a lot of Nebraska fans excited about Day by Day, uh, the two-part documentary coming out. That'll be May 13th and 14th at the Rococo Theater. Daybydaymovie.com is where you can go and get the movie tickets uh, for a, a big weekend. Jason, I, I'm anxious to hear your perspective on this and, and just your role in this documentary. You're a major piece of, of the championship years, that golden era. What are you wanting with this film, as far as you know what do you want nebraska fans to to see and experience oh i i just think it's a a neat deal and a different deal where you know everything that's been done whether you're talking about nebraska or you're talking about you know any other program that had some sort of run and you know where they're coming from a fan base where you know people they eat that stuff up you know they love i mean there's nebraska football that's you know, that's the only show out here, right? So even when we talk about teams that are 25 years removed, right, there's a large part of this state that still feels like kind of it was yesterday, you know, and, and they know all of the characters that are in this movie. Um, but now you're getting it from, you know, the kind of inside that locker room. Obviously certain stuff 
uh, you'd hope is just kind of locked away in the vault and, and never to be heard from again. But, uh, you know, for, for a lot of, uh, for a lot of, uh, you know, the stuff that, uh, that went on, um, you know, back then, you're kind of going to, you're going to hear about it firsthand, you know, right out of the horse's mouth here. And uh, guys are going to tell you kind of exactly um, how it was or what was going through their heads. Um, you know, so it will be a, a, a much different perspective than I think, you know, uh, most documentaries that that are made out there just, you know, it, not just in Nebraska football, but in sports in general, I think. Jason Peter is with us, Sale Varsity Radio. Find him on Twitter at Jason Peter. Day by day, the documentary, May 13th and 14th at the Rococo. And uh, be sure to log on and get your tickets today, daybydaymovie.com. Coach Osborne talked a lot about chemistry. What did you notice the first time you stepped in that locker room, Jason, with with the team you were you were joining? Yeah, I mean it was uh, it was an intimidating thing, um, you know, much different than now. Uh, and obviously, being down there and, and helping out, um, you know, the way I have over the last couple of years, um, you kind of get to see how freshmen, you know, walk into into the locker room, and uh, it's it's different. You know, uh, you kind of were just. You didn't want to be, you know, quote unquote, noticed, you know, back then. You just kind of wanted to, to, to go with the flow. You wanted to be, you, you wanted to have to do everything, but you kind of didn't want to be noticed, you know, because if you were noticed, well, there's a good chance that, you know, the older guys were going to make uh, some sort of example out of you, whether it's, you know, in, in good nature, uh, sort of fun or, if, you know, they think that you're a little too cocky for, you know, 17, 18 year, years old, then, then it, it will be a different approach um, than sort of, you know, that those welcoming arms that uh, people like to talk about. Um, yeah, so, you know, it was, uh, it was intimidating. And, and, you know, it was this high-powered machine that was moving at the time. Uh, you know, it wasn't about – I mean, I guess there, there was somewhat of the, the trying to get over the hump um, you know, in, in a lot of ways with trying to, you know, beat some of those Florida teams. I mean, Nebraska was at a point where back then they would kind of, you know, run the table uh, in, in the Big Eight, um, you know, get themselves to the Orange Bowl, and then, you know, nine out of ten times they were kind of getting run off the field, um, you know, by a Florida or a Miami, a Florida State, and uh, – and I was fortunate, you know, that I kind of stepped into this thing right as uh, there was like a, almost a changing of the guards and, and kind of uh, um, this, this uh, idea that losing any game is not acceptable, you know. Like the goal was to win them all. And I know every team kind of can say that going in, but that was the truth. It was uh, – there, there was this firm – belief this firm mindset that we weren't going to lose to anybody um you know and if you were a guy that was okay with losing a game or two games then um chances are you were you were not going to fit in 
in this crew. Um, you know, it was uh, the only uh, the only standard. The bar that was set was, uh, you know, having a, a zero under that that L column, um, and that was just the way that it was. Jason Peter, a couple more minutes with us day by day. The documentary on uh, Nebraska football, the uh, incredible run, 60-3. and three. Uh, The Rococo Theater, May 13th and 14th. More showings, of course, daybydaymovie.com is where you go get your tickets. And uh, Husker legend Jason Peter uh, joining us to talk about the, the documentary. Jason, uh, do you remember uh, kind of a come to Jesus in the locker room, either giving one or receiving one? Well, you know, you kind of had to – there was a – you know, this little saying where you had to kind of pay rent, uh, and you got your initiation, let's just say, into Nebraska football when you got kind of moved up to that varsity locker room. Um, but, it, you know, for as great as the varsity locker room was, um, I think also being in that freshman locker room played just as big an impact in guys' life because – it was number one. It was a kind of a uh, uh, earning your stripes mm-hmm. sort of deal. Uh, so you know, it was something that you knew everybody who had come into the program, who was successful in the program, had gone through this same sort of path, and they had to do the same thing. Um, but then it also made you kind of appreciate, um, you know, the varsity locker room and. Being up in that sort of uh, uh, being part of that brotherhood, um, you know, because back then it was, uh, you know, that freshman locker room. I mean, you got to know your fellow freshman teammates real well. Uh, You know, you kind of you knew where guys had birthmarks where you wish you didn't know that information. You know, you, 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 you knew whether, uh, you know, their, their moms and dads taught them to, to, to wipe front to back or back to front. I mean, you were up close and, and personal with everybody. Uh, there were no there, there were no doors on, on, on the stalls. Come to think of it, there were no stalls. Uh, you know, it was just uh, – wow. it, it was – I'm guessing it was, you know, kind of like the military uh, where it was just, you know, head after head after head after head. And uh, that was it. But, you know, when you when you got up there and uh, you kind of got the, the nod of approval that, hey, okay, you know, Jason Peters getting moved up in the varsity locker room today or Grant Wistrom or, uh, you know, Jay Foreman, whoever, um, you know, it was like, it was it was a big day, um, and it was another step. All these benchmarks that you have, you know, uh, over the course of your time here at Nebraska, and certainly getting moved up into that varsity locker room was was one of. Them. Jason, we'll get you out of here on this. Thanks for the time. It's great to, to catch up again. Your time as a volunteer coach down at Nebraska and working with all the kids. Uh, how rewarding has it been for you? And uh, just touch on on the D line and, and some of the talent in that room. Oh, it's great, you know. Got a great, really great group of kids. You know, I'm not going to come on and say all this, you know, stuff that that people have kind of been hearing for the last few years. I mean, all I can tell you is is what I see. And, you know, you got good kids that are working hard. No matter what anybody else thinks out there, 
you know, they're not wanting to lose. Uh, they're not trying to lose. It's a progression, you know. You know, almost you think back to, to when Bo was here and he used to talk about, you know, the process and people got tired of the process, right? But you know, there there's a lot of truth in that. It, it is a process. And not to say that, you know, winning nine games or losing nine games by, by you know, six points or whatever uh, is part of, of, of that process. It's seeing these kids go out and each day we're asking them to be better than they were yesterday. And if they can come out and they can do that, that's all you can really ask, you know, is that they, they're better today than they were yesterday. And obviously there are days where, you know, practice uh, you feel like isn't great. That's ever, uh, I don't care if you're talking about 95 Huskers or you're talking about the 2022 Huskers. Um, you know, it, bad practices are part of the deal. You just got to be able to recognize that it was bad and recognize um you know, the things that made it bad and make sure that it doesn't happen again. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, a, a, like I said, a, a group of good kids, obviously, you know, nothing is, is without, uh, uh, it's not never an easy path. Mm-hmm. And, uh, obviously leading up into this season, it's kind of, you know, gotten difficult here, uh, with some of the choices that some guys have made, but this is the deal. You can only roll with the guys that want to mm-hmm. be here. And, the guys that want to be here, I wouldn't want to trade them for anything in the world um, because they know they know what it takes. Um, they never complain. Uh, they want to win more than anybody. I can guarantee you that. You know, no matter if there's uh, five people in Memorial Stadium or if there's ninety thousand people in Memorial Stadium, nobody wants to win more than those kids that are dressed in the uniforms. And for the most part. They're do, they do everything that we ask them to do in preparation uh, for those wins. So, uh, you, you know, it's it's one of those things. I hate to say you just kind of hope, you know, like you don't want to ever wait, you know, wait for the light or wait for, for us to get over that hump. you got to force yourself to get over that hump. And, you know, a big part of it is, is leadership, and that's something obviously that myself um, – uh, you know, Jay Foreman have been kind of helpful with me with that as well, with, with building that leadership um, so that the team can kind of run itself. You know, you want it so that that, that inner leadership, those guys, whether it's the, the four captains or, you know, it's the, the 15 or however many seniors you have, those guys, they all got to take ownership. And when they take ownership in the thing and it means more to you, you're willing to go that extra mile and uh, do the extra things that, that, that nobody wants to do. And, you know, some I always tell them, it's like, what do you do? It's easy when the cameras are here, you know, and, and or, or we got, you know, fans in to watch a, a game, a spring game or whatever. I said, but what do you do when nobody's looking, when nobody's watching? I go, because that, that, that's what separates, you know, the chumps from the champs. And, uh, and it's just a matter of getting more guys, continuing to find guys that, uh, you know, think that way and, and operate that way. Um, you know, it's not about the glory. It's not about the articles. It's not about, you know, the Twitter love and all that stuff. It's about the guys in that locker room and, and uh, you know, playing for one another. And then ultimately on Saturdays you're going out and you're playing for, you know, the 80,000 people that are in that stadium. Well said, Jason Peter, day by day. Uh, Jason, a part of the documentary. A lot of Nebraska fans excited to see it. What are you shooting today on eighteen? Yeah, yeah, golf days are over. My body's too jacked up, you know. 
I, now it's just about teaching the young with the, the kids, and I'm not was never good enough to be a teacher anyway at golf. So uh, I'll leave I'll leave that to the pros. But geez, with all this wind out here, um, you know, in Nebraska lately, can't be fun to be playing golf. It's uh, it's a challenge for sure. Jason, best to you. Uh, thanks for a few minutes today. Anytime, Chris. Talk to you later. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back at it, Hour 2 Weekend Edition, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, and uh, thanks to Jason Peter, the Rewind segment uh, to get us into uh, the last part of this first hour, uh, loaded up here, Brandon Vogel this hour, Gary Sharp this hour, and maybe Brandon Vogel's little man, Junior, has ran out and, and bought a Cincinnati jersey just because that's turning into Nebraska North. Vogues, how are we doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? We're good. We're good. It was funny. when It was out at dinner last night with Mama and Junior, and uh, Cam Jurgens gets drafted by Philly. I've already heard from my pastor, who's uh, the, you know from uh, that region and a big Eagles fan, so he's smiling. Uh, and then uh, I, I know the National Weather Service didn't want most of Nebraska to see Cam Taylor Britt's draft uh, pick, but uh, thankfully there's Twitter. So uh, there we are. But reaction, uh, what do you think of the landing spots for, for Cam? Well, for both Cams, for Cam Jurgens and for Cam Taylor Britt, we'll start off this way. Yeah, um, the two Cams, you know. I think Philly's a pretty good, pretty good spot for Jurgens. I really like Cincinnati for for Cam Taylor Britt. Um, anytime you can join a organization that is well in the spot where the Bengals left off last year, I think I think that's good. And you know, with the the connections Nebraska has, I mean, I know that <laughs> there's literally no stone left unturned with these guys, but it always feels a little bit nicer uh, than than even just getting to fulfill the dream of playing professional football when you know there's at least, uh, well, there's the Zach Taylor connection and you got a couple others on that Cincinnati squad. So should be, uh, it'll, they'll probably, Bengals grew a lot in popularity when they, they went on their run in the state of Nebraska. Uh, that's not slowing down anytime soon. Brandon Bogle is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. What do you make of uh, Kelsey's comments about Cam Jurgens and just how similar their games are and how he essentially wanted to uh, – told the Eagles to draft him so he could be his protege? 
yeah, pretty impressive. Um, <laughs> those, those comments were one of the better, you know, the draft is a good Twitter event. Uh, one of the better tweets for draft-related content that I saw. I mean, it's it, it's strange. I, I think there will always be a little pang of, you know, remorse for Husker fans because you saw – I mean, you knew Cam Jurgens had, had a super, super high ceiling. Um, part of the reason he, he moved to the position he moved to. And, and you saw flashes of it and – you know, maybe you saw even more flashes of it, um, and, and it got overshadowed a little bit by the fact that, well, Nebraska's record didn't follow along with it. But uh, for a homegrown guy, I think Husker fans will still take plenty of pleasure in his pro career if it unfolds the way that it could, if he reaches that potential, because it, it, it was there. Uh, we saw it from time to time. You just wish it had been a little bit more of a quote unquote, I guess, slam dunk at Nebraska. And that's, you know, no criticism of Cam himself on that front. Nope. Cam will work well, get mentored well, and Philadelphia <laughs> has killed it, right? I look at what Detroit's done, I look at what Philly's done, and I think both have had you get Davis and Dean uh, along with Cam Jurgens. I mean, that's that's a heck of a good draft and uh, should we just plan on the entire uh, defensive side of the ball from Georgia being drafted? <laughs> Pretty much. And I mean, you know, I was thinking about that a little bit this morning. So, you know, Georgia's got that group this year and obviously won a national title. And, you know, Alabama has had their like, I mean, Alabama's a fixture at this point, but, you know, I don't remember what year it was, but they had that year where they just had an insane amount of guys go in the, the top 10 or the, the first round. Ohio State has had one of those those years recently. And you just look at that, and it's it's such a different level. You know, for, for Nebraska, having uh, Jurgens and Taylor Britt go as early as they did, good news. But it, it kind of sent me back, like, you know, we could probably tally up Nebraska's last decade of, of draft uh, history and, and definitely not equal, you know, what when an Alabama, a Georgia, or Ohio State goes on one of these runs where they get that special class or special group of guys that all come together and you just kind of end up dominating the first two days of the draft almost on your own. Um, it's just, it, it lets you know, like, there's such a different level out there. For, for some of these teams, and it's it's really, really hard to reach. So hopefully Georgia fans are enjoying it, though I guess uh, <laughs> it's it, it's a good news, bad news situation, right? Uh, because yeah. that means all those guys are gone. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Let's go back to Cam Taylor-Britt, and, you know, he caught a little bit of the fans' ire with how the season started and, and the, you know, the punt return that Don't say it. never was. The punt return that never was. <laughs> excuse me, at a, you know, in the opening game against Illinois. But in terms of his performance against top flight wide receivers, wow! I mean, that had to have been the thing that put him over the top, right? Like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jahan Dotson, all three of those guys, first rounders. And I can't remember a game where David Bell, go to him. I can't remember a game where, Taylor Britt got just owned by any of those guys, and he he faced some really good competition. Yeah, he did. And, um, you know, 
the the punt return sticks out because Nebraska's season kind of felt that way from from that point on. Like if things had flipped and turned around, I think we would have been able to focus more on. Oh, hey, did you did you notice that this first round or second round or third round wide receiver had his quietest day of the season? Uh, happened to be against Cam Taylor Britt. Like, and you know, the Big Ten continues to to show itself well. SEC still leads the way, of course, but. You look at it from that perspective, um, you had Ohio State on the schedule with that group of wide receivers. Your secondary was in for a day. Uh, and Cam Taylor Britt played well. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I think it was in the first 50 picks or so where those kind of top four pass rushers from, from the Big Ten had all come off the board. Nebraska played all of them. Um, you know, the Big Ten, in terms of its ability to put players in the NFL, uh, is is sort of it's it's the SEC and the Big Ten and then everybody else. So pretty impressive, almost no matter where you look. But I, I do think Taylor Britt maybe existed in the shadows a little more than his performance in the uh, should should have dictated. Brendan, give me your level of surprise that Nebraska, when it's all said and done here, ended up with two second-round picks uh, after this season where they end up going 3-9, and nine and you have I mean, guys ending up all over the draft board with Cam Jurgens. It feel like, uh, feels like whenever he announced he was coming out, you thought uh, maybe fourth or fifth-round guy, and he ends up being a second-round guy. And same with Cam Taylor-Britt. Well, what's your surprise level that Nebraska ends up with two guys in the second round, and they also have their highest draft pick since 2011? Yeah, and, I, and because ESPN showed a Nebraska highlight first and he played more years at Nebraska than Kentucky, I'm counting Wondale Robinson. Too. Say vote. Um, so he's part of that three and a half over under? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it really came down to the highlight. If it had been Kentucky highlight first, I would have been like, okay, we got to let this go. But um, <laughs> no, I mean, this is always a tricky thing with the draft. And it, well, this is. I, I, I view this as good news for Nebraska football, Nebraska's football program overall. But but you still look at that, and this kind of goes back to what I was talking about with you know Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama. There's just like such another level, and you know having good players is obviously great. Three good players, you know, it the draft so, so often for me more than anything kind of reinforces how much of a team game this is, particularly. Well, maybe not particularly at the college level, but there's just there's there's so much more to it. Now, if you said, okay, you can lock a second round center, a second round corner, and you know, in this fantasy world where Wondell Robinson is is a Nebraska alum with with no complications, a, a second round wide receiver, you do it every time. Um, but it, it just indicates to me that there's there's more to winning college football games than than pure talent. It, it gets you a long way. You know, it, it, everything with the draft kind of time becomes which side of the coin do you want to look at? And you'll see people uh, happily take both sides of that, where you could look at this and say, eh, you've got these guys going as high as they're going, you should win more games, which, I mean, I think we could all agree, Nebraska should have won more games than it, than it has at this moment. But you could also take, take it back to 2018 when, when Nebraska had no draft picks and say, well, at least there's this. Um, so it just kind of depends on what mindset I think you come into things with. Brandon, you know, Vogel, Brandon go ahead. Go ahead, Krennic. Sorry about that. Brandon Vogel on uh, uh, on Hale Varsity Radio on Saturday morning edition. Uh, let's extend that fantasy world and add Brees Hall, 
who the, the running back at Ohio <laughs> at Iowa State that from uh, a lot of reports wanted to come to Nebraska. That recruitment kind of fell through and didn't work out. He yields uh, 36 overall to the Jets. Um, but no, it, you know, we don't have to spend a lot of time there. But I do want to ask about how much of this we've, we've always said that Nebraska should be a developmental program. And, you know, Nebraska's strength and conditioning under Zach Duvall um, was roundly welcomed and lauded uh, when he came on board. And he's got a he's got a brilliant history. And then you look at where all of Nebraska's draft prospects tested and they all tested really well. And that that helps their draft stock as much of anything. How much of this do can can we look at it and say, you know what? Like maybe that developmental part of Nebraska is taking hold because all those guys improved their draft stock with good athletic overall athletic testing numbers. Yeah, it matters so much, you know, it, it, in the draft. Like you got to you got to pass you got to pass the meetings and, you know, you you've got to be able to to be a, a smart football player, but there's just, you know, there's no substitute for kind of sheer athleticism. And I, I think when you kind of combine that with, you know, to go to Elijah's question, like, what do you make of the record and this performance? Well, it indicates to me that you've got some guys who, you know, were just athletic at the highest level. And you, you definitely got to take some of that, you know, give some credit to the players for wherever they came in at. You know, Cam Jurgens was, was a guy who, you know, went out to the, the high school combines and kind of killed it. He was somebody everybody could kind of see like, oh, this, this could be pretty special. Cam Taylor Britt wasn't necessarily. Um, and, and, you know, Jojo Doman uh, at the time that he came in, uh, who knew he was going to be kind of the jackknife player and, you know, battle through a couple of injuries and super athletic as well. So I do kind of give some credit here to Nebraska's, you know, developmental program, strength and conditioning, um, there's just, they've, they've got some athletes and, and it kind of reinforces again for me, like, that's good. You want that. You want as many of those guys that you can have. There's still a couple other ingredients out there that Nebraska's trying to find when it comes to winning football games. Vogues, I mean, this just speaks to me about Nebraska being right with their projections. They projected Cam to be a playmaker on the defensive side of the ball as a quarterback out of high school. They projected to put on a ton of weight for Cam Jurgens, moving from tight end to center. Uh, they projected a guy like, you know, to put a, a role, the JoJo role that Nebraska is trying to, to replicate moving forward in this defense where it's a hybrid situation, edge coverage, uh, run support, the old uh, weak side <laughs> Jojo Doman TFL on on second and nine, right? I mean, just how he'd sneak in there, snake in there, and make the tackle. So that that should should give Nebraska fans some confidence, despite the record. That okay, here's three examples and three draft picks of Nebraska's blueprint for an individual really going to plan. I think that's important. Uh, let's switch gears from the draft to Oshan Watch. And uh, it could be a great weekend, <laughs> folks. About 3 o'clock, 
What, what's your read on, on Mama Mathis' tweets? What's your read on Nebraska's shot? They are positioned to uh, – they're right there. They've, they've gone all Don Draper, bless their heart, and, and they're under consideration. Yeah, if if mom were deciding, I think I would uh, just delete all my research and be like, uh, I think we know which way which way this is gonna go. But um, and and to what degree, you know that that carries the most amount of weight. Who who knows? It, Chuck Klosterman once wrote, uh, the probability of everything is fifty fifty. Either it will happen or it won't happen, and that's that's kind of where I'm at with with this one. Uh, it helps when you're down to to literally two teams, I guess. Um, you know, it's, he's obviously a, a really accomplished player. I think the most immediate, like, man, it would be good for Nebraska to get into the college football news cycle for, for a little bit on draft day when people are thinking football anyway, um, for landing what, what most outlets I think rank as one of, if not the best available transfer out there. And, you know, the, the need on the defensive line has only come into sharper focus uh, over the past week or so for Nebraska. So I don't know if, if the Huskers are the favorite there. I, I've kind of gone back and forth. I thought maybe towards the end of this week that eh, maybe they were, uh, yesterday didn't help that. I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way. So I go into, uh, well, I anxiously await three o'clock, kind of looking at it as almost a 50 50 proposition. Brandon, let's uh, switch over to volleyball as we got to look at the um, Nebraska Cornhuskers against Kansas in the uh, in the spring match last weekend in Grand Island, and a couple couple things to hit on. So I think one of the first ones is Maddie Kubik. How would you assess maybe the difference in her game, her power from the fall to what you saw against Kansas um, last weekend? Yeah, pretty impressive. And, you know, they need they need her. I mean, she she played well last year, of course, but they are looking for (laughs) a dominant outside hitter. And it wasn't something they had all the time last year and you know maddie is a player who who can who plays all six rotations um which which makes you know it's you're not one of those people who are just six seven and then you know that's what you do um so i think that makes it a little bit more difficult but if she can become you know a kind of michaela fecky type where it's just like well this game's getting tough uh the chips are down you know where we're gonna go uh, when we absolutely need a kill. Can she become that? I think that her spring game showing was an encouraging sign because for as good as she has been up to this point, Nebraska still Nebraska probably hasn't really had that person since, since Michaela finished her career. Uh, if they're going to get where they want to go, if they're going to get to Omaha. Um, they probably need that piece of it. And then what do you make of Kianale Akana entering the transfer portal? And for folks that may not follow it, you know, she was part of the Legion of Boom. I think they called it in the back row, Nebraska's defensive set with Kenzie Knuckles, Lexi Rodriguez, who's, you know, All-American. And then Akana, also probably Nebraska's best server. And she elects to hit the transfer portal. 
What does that portend for Nicklin Hames and maybe what her role will now evolve into? Because she seemed like she was going to be the odd one out and she was comfortable with it, but this changes that significantly. Yeah, she could potentially, you know, step into to that um, back row role, I think, um, defensively. You know, I think she's, she's got the strength. The biggest thing is it really – and Nicklin's, Nicklin's a very good server as well. It's just, as you said, Keanu was was probably their best server. So it puts extra focus on that, and I think you will you will see uh, Nicklin have to put some focus on that and and kind of fill that role a little bit more, um, assuming everything plays out the way it could. So I, I think Nebraska is okay. You know, for for as fun as it was to talk about the greatest recruiting class ever at Nebraska, and it it still is fun. Like. We knew this at the time, but we're just seeing it now, you know, basically two years later. Like, it's going to make things complicated in, in some cases. I mean, Nicklin Ames is doing something entirely unconventional, um, coming back for, for reasons that she has explained and makes some sense once you hear about it a little bit. But it, it, it's, it's strange for a returning starting center to basically say, I'm okay, like, you know, kind of – paving the way or, or seeding ground to, to the next generation there with, with Akana, you know, I think it's not that she wasn't okay with that, but she just, you know, it seems to me like the chance to be a, a libero and, and be that person for a team had some appeal for her. Brandon, last thought before we get you out of here, got to get your reaction to the news that Damian Jackson and uh, Chris Walker have entered their names into the transfer portal. Yeah, from a from a team leadership standpoint, um, it, it was a, a bit surprising to me because we know while we haven't seen a ton of those those guys on the field, um, we see a ton of them on on Nebraska's social media accounts because they are heavily involved in you know team events, weightlifting, et cetera, et cetera. So surprised me a little bit. Um, I mean, we knew there were going to be there were going to be transfers ahead of this May 1st deadline, but that was, those two were, were not ones I would have foreseen coming. So, you know, you, you worry about that piece of it a little bit, um, just kind of the, the leadership and team camaraderie part of it, but it's just how it's going to be every year now around May 1st, um, I think. Vogues, uh, enjoy your weekend. Uh, get Junior that uh, that Bears jersey now that you're drafting, and uh, we'll uh, we'll do it again next Saturday. Thanks for the time. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. There he is, Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HailVarsity.com and magazine at Brandon L Vogel on Twitter. Uh, this is has been out since last night, but Cranack Jordan Addison looking to transfer from Pitt. USC a possible destination. Yeah, the uh, Bolitnikoff winner. He, he had, what, 1,400, 1,500-plus yards? Almost uh, 1,600 and then 17 touchdowns. Yeah, and Mark Whipple's offense. Kenny mm-hmm. Pickett, of course, the quarterback who went in the first round to the Steelers. And, you know, Pat Narduzzi's pissed, of course. Of course he The is. head coach at Pitt because it's opened up this whole thing about tampering uh, where, you know, people were just kind of – Hey, Jordan, we got a pot of money sitting here for you with NIL. Jordan, have you been to Hollywood? Right. So 
And look, I wonder if Nebraska has an outside shot here. There's been no reports that they would, um, but there's obviously the connection to to Whipple. You got to think they Addison, at least are in contact, right? Well, yeah, and Addison knows. Hey, man, Whipple's offense. I'll get the ball. <laughs> so I mean, he knows that knows that unequivocally that that would happen. Um, so yeah, that's that's one worth watching. Belitnikov winner is on the transfer market. Well, and the more that we zoom out on Lincoln Riley and the rating that went on in Norman. Um, and now this, I mean, yeah. Tam- tampering seems to be like a, a PhD part of, of Lincoln Riley. Well, it, it, but it's also one of those things where it's like, you know, you know, hate, don't hate the player, uh, hate, hate the game. And that's where things are moving, and 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 Lincoln Riley's kind of out in front of it. it. You know, is it a little shady, a little seedy? Of course, but I think as we're seeing, it's rampant. And Riley was one of the first movers, and there doesn't seem to be any kind of NCAA recourse. It doesn't appear like tampering is even a thing anymore because of NIL. It, it'd be right? it'd be awesome to sit down and and just get over a beer and just get the the straight up tampering e true hollywood story from a nebraska perspective with all the kids that have left how much was tampering how much was unhappiness how much was fit how much was with yeah and i'd love to know it's only gonna grow that's the thing is that it's this is the very early stages of this new world you know there's still people getting their nil infrastructure set up um, and trying to experiment with it and figure out, like, what is the market? Like, well, the market you, you right know, like, now is to hire an agent, and if you don't get a, a sweet NIL deal, you leave the University of Miami basketball program for for another school because that but, happened but, this week. But what is the market, right? Like, so for whatever a you can get, receiver. whatever you can get. Well, if you're if you're a Bolitnikov winner and against high level competition, Jordan Addison, it is. Well, I mean, let's talk what what the market probably is for Oshan Mathis. Right. Oshan Mathis is between 250 and half a million dollars conservatively. Yeah. See, but those things haven't entirely settled yet. It's eight figures for a quarterback, allegedly. Yeah, yeah, right. But but those things haven't entirely settled yet. Like, is that sustainable, for instance? That might be what the market's saying now. You've got a bubble right now to go get what you can get before there's some recourse. Yeah. Yeah. But it's going to settle. Like at some point there will be a pretty legitimate range for here's what a top flight running backs worth. Here's what a top flight receivers worth, et cetera. Right now it's, it's all over the place. Well, are the, are the prices different than what they used to be is my question. And then what's the structure (laughs) of those deals? Yeah, there you go. I'm serious. (laughs) Well, what's the structure of those deals? How sustainable is it? You know, if you're a team that goes all in and, you know, pays a ton of money for, or not a not a team, but I guess the apparatus around it, boosters, advertisers, whatever you want to call it, whoever puts together that NIL money, you know, do they blow all of their cash on one year? Like, is there enough to sustain it? It's yeah. This is wild this is right no. It's going to be like uh, it's going to be a, a, a country club setup where your your dues are five five G a month, and I think the Journal Star World Herald wrote about this this weekend or last weekend where. You're going to have a booster pool with uh, members of this booster pool where it's 5G. 
Yep. And what does that do? What does that do though to the money that's typically donated directly to the university? It shifts, right? Which allows you to build a new, do some cool things with the athletic experience there. Build new facilities, yeah. update facilities, well, well, launch yet you got to fi- programs. You got to figure out who's in the cheese and wine crowd in the world of academia, and you got to fi- figure out who's a jock. Yep. And and yep. so you you may have fundraising infighting at schools. The oh, the, the building the building's not go and the building's not going to go to a new computer lab anymore. Cranach. <laughs> well, no, it's going to go to a new cold tub. <laughs> <laughs> or, or yeah, or it's going to go to a new defensive back. <laughs> right? Like that's that's the thing is there's the, you know and I think this really absolutely helps the the it's a rich get richer kind of thing so yeah. your blue bloods they're well healed mm-hmm. they're going to be able to play in this game they're going to be able to set the market the the teams that are in the big 10 or sec that has you know 50 60 million dollars a year coming in from tv money mm-hmm. are going to be able to better do this and still sustain their facilities and all those things i mean i i think it's just going to make SEC and the Big Ten richer, and then whatever blue bloods have been sleepwalking for a while, mm-hmm. I think you'll see them reemerge because they have so much money behind them, even like a Tennessee. Well, either stay in the coma or wake up from the coma. Let's get to Gary Sharp. A quick timeout. Hail Varsity Weekend continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Dot com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. We're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Weekend edition rolls forward. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. The Iron Horse is in wearing, I'm going to just say it's a road white with the red Karloftis jersey. We say hi to Gary Sharp. Sharpie, what's up? How are you? Good morning. Yes, I'm very, uh, very pleased with the first two days of the uh, draft for the uh, Chiefs. You should be. Oh, man. I mean, I, I know it, it hurts without Hill, but man, you're you're making some chicken salad, and I and I love the Karloftis pick, uh, keeping with the jersey theme at three oh five today. What jersey or hat is O'Shawn Mathis wearing? Please get the crystal ball out. Well, you know what? I've gone back and forth here. I, 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 I first, when this all started, he showed up in Lincoln. I thought, if you're pretty solid on Texas, why are you coming to Lincoln? And then, you know, the whole discussion about the need and name image likeness, or I've renamed it, guys, pay for play, because that's what we have to call it, because essentially that's what it is right now, is, okay, what, what's he searching for? And then as this has gone on and it's stretched out to today, 
you know, I've gone back and forth. There's a, there's, I, for the longest time, I thought, well, why would he not go to Texas? Because he's been there numerous times. His former head coach is there. Uh, I'm, I'm watching his mom in a Texas chat room answer questions. You know, she, she's very active on Twitter, as Nebraska fans found out the other day. And then as, like, the week has closed in, you know, you hear more and more stories about what Nebraska has offered. Now, this is where it gets uncomfortable if you love the sport of college football. Because whatever happens today and the decision he makes is going to involve money. It's going to involve the pay for play and who has the better package for him. Even though if you think about it, if he wants to go to the NFL, the Big 12 produced zero, zero first-round picks. If he wants to play a position that shows better for the NFL in a conference that will run right at you and you've got to stop the run, you've got to play in space, you've got to rush the quarterback, it's called the Big Ten. We all want him to say, hey, he's coming to Nebraska because it's going to better him as a football player. But you have to be comfortable today whether Nebraska gets a commitment from O'Shawn Mathis or not. It's coming down to what benefits him in the pocketbook the most. Brandon Vogel. Or, no, you're not Brandon Vogel. Did you know that? You're actually Gary uh, Sharp. I'm, I'm checking. Yeah. I'm checking. Yeah, check your ID real quick. Just confirm. <laughs> um, but we believe you are Gary Sharp. Uh, joining us on Hale Varsity Radio. We were just talking about this before the break, Gary. It's like, what is the market, right? And, like, the market is unsettled right now. It's a complete Wild West. Eventually, do you think it will settle into, okay, a Jordan Addison, top-flight wide receiver out of pit, that is worth roughly this range. And a, a premier pass rusher, that's worth this range. And running back is going to be this amount and quarterback, etc. Do you think it'll eventually settle into that where it's almost like a unspoken salary cap? Or do you think it will continue to be a wild West just because there aren't current state, any limits whatsoever on what you do with NIL? Well, there's, and you're right, Mark, there's no guardrails right now. It's out of control. I've, I spent a majority of the week talking to basketball coaches, uh, you know, that have to go before agents like, for everybody to make their pitch to Baylor Shireman, they got to go before his agent, which is crazy. But that's where we're at. I want to believe that in this will have a course correction and it'll settle down. But I don't know. Nobody's got a fix. Everybody says, "Man, I don't like it," but they know they got to play the game. And who's going to step in and say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! This is in less than a year got completely away from what we intended it to be. This is what we're going to do." I don't know if the genie's out of the bottle. But if we do have a course correction, I still think it's probably two to three years down the road. I mean, the situation you brought up at Pittsburgh, think about that. Here's somebody with Kenny Pickett as his quarterback, Mark Whipple as his offensive coordinator. He had 100 catches. That's a big deal for Pittsburgh. And he's returning because he's too young to go to the NFL. And then all of a sudden on draft night, the weekend before you have to be into the portal, all of a sudden he's gone and it looks like he's going to USC. Wait a minute. You mean USC was already contacting him while he was at Pitt? And then what happens is other schools say, whoa, 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 we're not just letting you walk to USC. Uh, we've got something for you. That's wrong. That is, that is so away from what this was supposed to be. And I don't know how soon that's going to change. I want to believe that in a couple of years it will. But for right now, man, if you're not playing the game, you can say, I hate the system, but you've got to play the game. And I'm sure that's what Nebraska is doing here with O'Shawn Mathis. They're like, we, this is... This is not the spirit of college football, but we got a position of need. He's a good player. We got to go get him, so let's play the game. Now, to answer the previous question, as of right now, 
my gut is telling me that I think he comes to Nebraska. Gary Sharp with us, weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio. And Sharpie, you got to either adapt or die uh, with this new with this new landscape. And Nebraska can can play the game. Nebraska has the fan base. Nebraska has the boosters. Now, I think from a bidding war, you're going to be hard pressed to outbid a Texas or a Texas A and M or or even USC because of Hollywood connections. But Nebraska can hold their own and offer some things more than money. Uh, and and also yes, offer uh, perks with with NIL. And Nebraska's been uh, ahead mile marker wise when it comes to forethought with with NIL. I mean they they've embraced it. You've got the Blake Lawrences of the world that have helped kind of kind of further it in in a you know responsible way with with how he approaches it. And uh, I think Nebraska's in, in a better spot than, than most schools. I, I'm interested here with, uh, with Mathis and just his, not only his use, but, okay, what he does for Nebraska's defense aside from the obvious, and that's go kill the quarterback. What's, what's the, the domino effect with what we presume is coming back for 2022? Well, first, first and foremost, he's not Randy Gregory. I think he's a good football player. He's a good pass rusher. You know, it's a little bit different in the Big Ten because you're going to have to stop the run as well because they're going to come right at you. I, I don't want people to go, man, Nebraska just got the Randy Gregory because I don't see that on film. I do see a very talented rush end, an edge rusher, and, and you just saw how important they are with the run on the mm-hmm. first day of the NFL draft. Uh, he's a guy that can go get the quarterback. Uh, you know, He's probably a guy that if he's coming here, you know, here's another element of this whole pay-for-play is let's say he comes to Nebraska and you know, people go, wow, he got that much money. The expectations are going to be through the roof. Hey, if, if Nebraska's hooking you up with this much cash, man, you got to be an all-Big Ten guy. That's another added element of this whole name, image, likeness, pay-for-play. But I think he's a solid. He can hold the edge. He can set the edge, um, which will be very beneficial to Nebraska. And let's be honest, outside of Garrett Nelson, Nebraska really doesn't have anybody to go get the quarterback or somebody that on the offensive coordinator, you have to game plan against. Like you look at him on the other side of the ball and say, okay, we got to stay away from him. Hey, let's pound it on this side. He's one of those guys that I think can put a thought in your head as an offensive coordinator is we have to account for him. Um, But he's a position of need for Nebraska. Nebraska needs to get to the quarterback. They haven't been able to do it, but the expectations, he's not Randy Gregory, but I think he's somebody – that can factor in and probably give you five to six sacks this upcoming season with Garrett Nelson on the other side. Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Okay, you can kind of approach this a couple ways, and I don't think teams will really figure this out for another couple years, but if, if you're running a program, do you go the capitalist route where you get the top-end elite guys and you kind of pay them whatever they want and then make do with everybody else? Or do you go more of a socialist route where everybody gets some? <laughs> everybody gets a piece, right? Are you a com- like, are you a commie bastard? Or you- <laughs> well, a commie is everybody has got a ceiling, all right. So I don't think communist is going to work here. Um, but but seriously, I, I really think that you're going to have to kind of pick a model and go with it, right? Because it's it's not like the funds are unlimited. 
um, at any of these programs. And it's it just feels like all the blue bloods, you know, are all the ones that are well healed, like a Tennessee, a Florida, of, of Nebraska, Alabama, USC, all those ones that got tons of booster money. They're, they're going to be the winners here. But it's how do you do it? Right. How do, do you just like do you blow all your money in one year? <laughs> right. And then what is that? What does that do to your facility upgrades? And there's so many ripple effects here. But if you were running a program, Gary, which which method would you take, the capitalist route or the socialist route? Well, I would take the route, uh, and this is where life kicks in. I mean, or real life is if you generate money for the company, don't you deserve to be paid more? Don't you deserve at some point to go and say, hey, you know, I've generated a lot of cash for you, a lot of opportunities. Are you going to take care of me? And I think that's the way to go in this, because if you try and spread it out, and you know, but here's the thing, at a place like Nebraska, if Nebraska wins, everybody gets taken care of, all the way down to the fourth string left tackle. I mean, everybody gets taken care of as you're winning at a place like Nebraska, because it is Nebraska football. But there is a structure of importance and a structure of this is somebody who does this for us, this for us, this for us. So I don't think a blanket, everybody gets the same in this current setup. I'm, this guy's worth this, this guy's worth this, this guy's worth this. And if you're saying, hey, what about me as a third-string guy? I'll say, hey, do you want to be practicing football in December? That guy is helping us. You haven't done that yet. But when you do that, you're going to get taken care of as well. Sharpie, I think what Switzer started with his company – or his oversight down in Norman, I think the, the baseline's fifty grand a kid, right? So maybe the, the move forward is to have a baseline for everybody, have a, have a pool for everybody, have a have an air quote minimum wage, right? That is ten times, five times, three times what you're, you're getting now scholarship wise. And and then for the whales, yet you, you have your your signing bonus. I mean, until this thing course corrects, maybe maybe that's how it's stacked. I don't know. Uh, I I have no well, it, idea. You know, guys, it's like as we talk about this, and there are you know there's college basketball programs locally that you get 40k and every starter gets a car. And I'm thinking, well, not too long ago we were outraged if someone was caught with a car. It's a very uncomfortable conversation if you love college sports because that's been your outlet. And it's, kind of, it's kind of been the amateur, but it's been shifting to more of a prof- professional model. But I don't think anybody in their right mind thought it would be zero to 60 into a full professional model mm-hmm. like it is. I, I don't know what the answer is, guys. We all have ideas. But here's the scary thing about all of this. And going back to a, a question Mark brought up earlier is course correction. When does this settle down? Who does it? You know, who steps up and takes over? This is a sport that doesn't have, in, in football, doesn't have a commissioner. It's an organization that the NCAA's power is less and less, and it's more power for the conference commissioner. I think we're in a weird time, and I think it makes a lot of coaches uncomfortable. They know they got to play the game, but they don't want to play the game. But I think we need to listen closely to the Sabins and the Sweeneys, and you might go, man, I don't know about that. They, they are in it, and they're talking, and I think we need to listen. Because I, I can't wait, guys, at 3 o'clock today, whether he chooses Nebraska or not, what the reaction is going to be, because it's going to do a lot with money instead of opportunity 
and to further develop yourself and get to the to get to the league. And people are not going to be good with that, even if you're the side that wins. Oshan Oshan Mathis at three o'clock saying, "I'm coming to play for you next year." Sharpie, last thought, a couple of minutes before we say goodbye to the draft we go where Oshan wants to hear his name in a year. Uh, reaction real quick to the Nebraska picks, Cam and Cam Taylor-Britt, and then flipping it forward to, to day three now with some more prospects from the Big Red that could hear their name. Great for Cam Jurgens. I, you know, I, I thought that both Cams would definitely go yesterday. Cam goes to an ideal spot. Jason Kelsey is is in his last year, and he'll be able to mentor him. And, you know, Cam, I think, is going to have a long career in the NFL. Cam Taylor-Britt actually went a little bit sooner than I thought. I had him pegged in the third round, but the Bengals are sitting there. and You know, you would think, okay, Zach Taylor is there's a Nebraska guy on the board. It's a position of need, and they go and get him. And it's great for Nebraska. It's great for those two guys because when they came in, you know, one came in as a tight end, and the other one, I remember Schmitty driving to Lincoln on signing day listening to you talk to Cam Taylor-Britt. And he was like, man, I could play quarterback. I don't know what they're going to play me at. You know, and he turned himself into a pretty good quarterback. Um, I, it's great for Nebraska. I think day number two, you know, JoJo is going to go. The thing with JoJo, Goldman, is he's going to be 25 in the fall, mm-hmm. and he's got to go to a team that has that mentality of using a hybrid-type player in their defense. Uh, you know, like an Isaiah Simmons that we see now in the NFL. So he's got to go to a team that is a fit. But I think he will be off the board by the end of the sixth round, uh, Austin Allen, your fingers are crossed. Uh, if he gets drafted, here, here's the thing that I wish would also be brought up in the new world of, of college athletics. Man, if you go into the NFL draft and you don't get drafted, there's still an option that you can come back to college. That'd be great. You can still sign. You can still sign an undrafted free agent contract, but the door is still open if you want to return to college. That would work. Just talking with, with Damian Daniels this week and then a couple of NFL draft experts, Sharpie, you know, there, there's a lot. The feel was surprised about Damian coming out between coaches and friends and, and even NFL feedback. But he's going to try and go make it work and good good kid. So we wish him the best and uh, super talented. So we'll see if it, it works for him. But say, say it doesn't go his way or, or – Pick a guy's way. Your your take on being able to come back would be would be fantastic. Since it's it's turning into a you know uh, the wild since it is the wild west anyway. I mean you're going to get paid anyway to go to school. Uh, what's the harm in coming back? <laughs> I agree. So, Sharpie, have a good weekend. Thanks for being with us today, man. Hey, thanks, guys. Enjoy three o'clock today, and and if it goes Nebraska's way, immediately log on to the Texas message boards. <laughs> <laughs> Will do, Sharpie. You take Thank care. You. There he is. Uh, well, maybe it'd be a good uh, good Saturday to do the old horns down thing, Cranach. Oh, wouldn't it be good? Yep. Yeah, we'll see it. That, that never hurts my feelings. When You may have won the battle crazy. with that whole Big 12 control thing and the Big 12 championship game in 96 and the extra second against Sue and the crew. But the, like, war, yeah, we'll... the war was won today by Nebraska with O'Shawn Mathis. Is that, That's is right, that the attitude? Yeah, he'll give us seven sacks and for a five-win team. So take that, Texas. Gee, dude, come uh, on. <laughs> I'm playing the odds here. Uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. Uh, take care and get the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Hail Varsity Radio. A Huda Media Production.